Broadcasting live from the RNR studios in Las Vegas, Nevada. It's the premier destination for an inside look into the Las Vegas Raiders. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Presented by Tequila Embajador. In the huddle. I am Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle. Brought to you by Tequila Embajador. Live in the Scouting Combine in Indianapolis, downtown Indianapolis. We've got football going on, well, kind of football, uh, over at Lucas Oil Stadium. As we speak, uh, the wide receivers and quarterbacks are uh, over at Lucas going through their workouts, doing their thing, some, uh, already some uh, electrifying numbers being uh, posted uh, over down the, down the road from us uh, of where we sit right now uh, over at Lucas Oil Stadium. We're going to get into all of that. We're also uh, going to talk offensive tackles, offensive linemen. They get on the field tomorrow. I had a chance to talk to them earlier today. Uh, we're going to bring in Randy Johnson from the Minneapolis Star Tribune at 4.30 to talk about Minnesota offensive tackle Daniel Faalele, uh, 6'9", 349 pounds. Uh, earlier today, he was talking about how the sky is the limit for him. Yeah, the sky is the limit. This dude's six foot nine, legitimate six foot nine, uh, slotted to go somewhere in the second round. And we all know that the Raiders have obviously a need uh, at offensive. Well, we don't know actually. Is it offensive tackle? Is it offensive guard? We're going to get to that in a little bit. Got a chance to talk to Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels yesterday about young Alex Leatherwood, their second-year offensive lineman. And they're not, right now, as of right now, the Raiders in a big rush to make any kind of determination on where Alex Leatherwood is actually going to play next year. Remember, he was drafted 17th overall last year. The intention at that point was to play him at right tackle. That's where he started the season. He played four games there. But then a combination of events that happened over at guard, um, Denzel Good uh, got hurt. Uh, the season-opening injury lost him for the entire year on the knee injury. Jermaine uh, Illuminor replaced him, didn't really get the job done. Alex Leatherwood wasn't necessarily playing very well at right tackle, so they thought, well, let's give Leatherwood a shot at right guard. That's where he played the rest of the season. Um, but now the question is, do the Raiders keep Alex Leatherwood at right guard or move him back to right tackle? Or, um, you know, does he play right tackle? Is that what their determination is? Whatever they decide, ultimately, it's going to affect in some form or fashion what they do in the draft, what they do in free agency, because you have to figure wherever Leatherwood plays, that's going to determine do they draft a tackle, do they draft another offensive guard, uh, do they reach out in free agency to bring in a veteran uh, tackle, or maybe it's two veteran guards. We don't know yet, and right now neither do the Raiders. And here's Dave Ziegler, the new general manager, talking yesterday about Alex Leatherwood. I don't, it's a good question. I don't think you have to have it established like for free agency or for the draft. We're always going to just be focused on drafting good players, um, regardless of the position. Um, I think the one good thing about Alex uh, that not all rookies are afforded the opportunity to do is play a lot of games. And when you get a lot of play time as a rookie, uh, just like any of us in our first year uh, on a job, you learn um, you know, you learn things that you're good at. You're, you learn things that you need to improve at. You kind of get exposed to things that you never even thought about. And so I think you know, it's, it's exciting to have a guy like Alex um, that's played a lot of football. And ultimately, like, we'll, we'll see. There's an evaluation. We'll, just, we'll see where he fits. And we're not going to pigeonhole him into saying he's this or he's that. We're going to let him create an opportunity for himself. And you know, we'll, we'll, we'll be excited to um, you know, be able to work with him. That's Dave Ziegler talking about Alex Leatherwood. I think it's the right approach, although I do think 
sometime between now and at least April, um, and maybe even the opening of free agency, but more more late April when the draft comes around, they'll have a better idea of where Alex Leatherwood um, is going to play, whether it's guard or right tackle. And I think it was an important point uh, that that the new general manager made. Um, you know, Alex Leatherwood played close to 1,100 snaps last year as a rookie. 17 games, that's one more game than normal uh, in previous years uh, with the addition of the 17th game, plus a playoff game. 1,100 sa- or, or snaps as a rookie is a lot of snaps to play. And whether you're looking at it from how sometimes um, not impressively he played or at times how impressively he did play, and, and I, I stress this to Raider fans, go look at the tape. There were periods of time where he was just playing dominant football, especially in the run game. They were few and far between, I get that. Uh, but there were at least three games that I remember where he was really playing well. And the run blocking was coming along. There was inconsistency issues. We talked yesterday about how penalties uh, played a fact. He was fourth in the NFL in penalties with 11. But when you look at that, everyone kind of assumes that it was, you know, he was, hold, you know, get called for holding a lot. But it was only three times. He only had three uh, holding calls all year long compared to seven illegal procedure penalties. Those were just mental issues. That, with him settling down, moving into his second year, getting more comfortable, getting more confident, especially at whatever position the Raiders decide to uh, to keep him at or play him at, I think the anxiousness and some of the jumping off sides, that'll get um, managed. That'll get mitigated. We get, I think we make the mistake thinking that he was a guy that was just left and right, you know, getting called for holding and getting called, you know, out of position and having to go. That wasn't really the case. Only three holding uh, penalties. That's not all that bad uh, when, when you think about it. You, obviously, you don't want any and you want to elim- eliminate that as much as possible. But he didn't do that badly in that regard. Now he's just got to kind of clean up the fundamentals, clean up the techniques, uh, settle down, be a less anxious player, be a more confident player. And I think in talking to Dave uh, Ziegler and Josh McDaniels, they feel like that's possible for him. And they're really excited about getting a chance to work with them, um, to build on what he, the foundation that he set last year. And remember, 1,100 snaps, that's a lot for a rookie. And it's a lot to draw on, whether you're looking at the bad, the good, what needs to work on, what his strengths are, what his weaknesses are. It's all there on film right now. And if you bring in, you know, a, a new staff and a qualified offensive line coach, which by all measures the Raiders have, they'll be able to look at that and try to figure out, all right, where do we start here? What are the strengths that can continue to build on? What are some of the weaknesses uh, that really have to uh, get dug into uh, and fixed? But there's enough there where it shouldn't be that difficult to kind of get all those things figured out and get Alex Leatherwood uh, on on, on the right track. Everything else is there. The physicality, the height, the weight, the power, the athletic ability, uh, the intelligence. He's, he's smart as a whip. Um, that was pretty obvious in the times that we talked to him. Uh, all the attributes needed and necessary are present. It's just getting him coached up at this point. Here's Josh McDaniels, the Raiders' new head coach, talking about Alex Leatherwood. Playing as many games as he did as a rookie, um, there's good and there's bad. Uh, but when you're that young, uh, you look at it as what, what can we what, what can we work with? What can we fix? Uh, there's a lot to do uh, in that process. Uh, I've already spoken to him. 
Um, that process is underway. And I think what we'll end up doing is whatever's best for the Raiders. You know, he's shown the ability that to play, you know, in both spots. Um, you know, more guard last year than tackle, but um, we see him being a contributor. Uh, we see him being a guy that we're really excited to work with. Uh, we're going to try to get the most out of him. Again, and we've talked about this so often, it's not unusual for second-year offensive linemen to make a big step forward or to take a big step forward. Um, and, and that's the case into year three and year four. It sometimes takes – not everyone's on the same uh, timeline. Not everyone's operating on the same clock. Um, that's, that's obvious throughout the history of football. Uh, and in particular, at that position, you know, along the offensive line – it just takes a little while for guys to get better, guys to mature. Yes, of course, you're going to have players that step in day one and say, I'm here, um, I belong here, and I'm ready to perform uh, as such. And, and that's great and all. It's far and few between, uh, but it happens, and, and that's fine. But more often than not, it's that second year where guys start taking a leap forward and then start building on that third and fourth year. Uh, that's not unusual, so I wouldn't freak out if I'm a Raider Nation about where Alex Leatherwood kind of slotted last year and how he played. There's so much to build on uh, and so much time uh, to, to build it with uh, that I wouldn't be uh, all that worried, and especially now whenever they figure out what position he's going to play and has his marching orders this offseason, I kind of think that they're going to keep him uh, at offensive guard. There's just too much... Um, playing time there and a foundation that he was able to build. Maybe that's the easier path to take or the better, more prudent path to take. Uh, but I have confidence in, in Josh McDaniels and Ziegler and the coaching staff to make the right decision. Uh, and once he gets settled in, it'll be interesting to see uh, you know, what kind of progress he'll make between from last year to, to, to this year. I think it's going to surprise some people. Back out to the Raider Nation listener line. Alan is in Las Vegas. How you doing, Alan? Doing great, Benny. How are you? Doing really well, thank you. Good. Um, keeping on that thought with the offensive line and Alex Leatherwood, have any idea if Tim McDaniels and Ziegler and company want to rebuild the line just one more year since Derek Carr is in a contract for one more season? Or I just really would he do because I, I've learned that a good right tackle can mask a lot of errors that your right guard does. And I understand that Alex is still learning. He's young. But Brandon Parker as the right tackle and him making a lot of the same mistakes that Alex is doing uh, does not help that line. So if you, if you can either draft or sign a good right tackle, you know, it'd be okay to have Alex grow into the position and learn. But at the same time, we did draft him to be the future right tackle. Your thoughts? No, I hear what you're saying. Uh, great call. Thanks, uh, Alan. Uh, I appreciate the call from Las Vegas. Let's, let's be honest. Uh, the right side of the offensive line last year for the Raiders was kind of a disaster. Um, you know, it started with Denzel Good going down uh, in the first half of the first game of the season. The Raiders didn't expect that. Nobody, you can't plan for that kind of an injury that early in the season. Um, and, and, and we've talked about it. Look, Denzel Good was going to be the veteran buffer between Andre James, a young center making his first start and in his first year of starting at a very important position, and in between James and a young right, right tackle in Alex Leatherwood. He was supposed to be the steadying veteran 
presence that kind of glued that whole thing together and bought some time for Leatherwood and Andre James to kind of get settled in. But that plan blew up in the first half of the first game against the Baltimore Ravens. And all of a sudden, you're scrambling along the offensive line. And that doesn't even account for Richie Incognito not even getting through training camp on the left side. Remember, he was supposed to be the veteran buffer uh, alongside James to the left of Andre. And so right before the season even started, basically, two veteran guards out, replaced by two young players. You know, Jermaine uh, Illuminor to start off with at right guard, John Simpson at left guard, uh, the, the, the second-year player from Clemson. It just wasn't conducive, and it was kind of a recipe, not for disaster, but it set the Raiders back big time. And then when uh, Illuminor couldn't really, you know, hold down the job at right guard, it, 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 it created more scrambling. And the next thing you know, they're deciding, okay, let's move Leatherwood over to right guard um, and, and, and try that and put Brandon Parker over uh, at right tackle. And the problem with that is Brandon Parker um, – you know, has, 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 you know, worked hard uh, to get to this point, but he's never taken that step forward that the Raiders were hoping for him, um, you know, when they drafted him uh, a few years ago. He just never has. And he's been given every opportunity uh, to show that he could be a capable, consistent, doesn't have to be a great player, but just a, uh, a, a viable, consistent, reliable player uh, at his position. But unfortunately, he just never has done that. And so, when you talk about now Leatherwood playing right guard and kind of a up and down, not consistent player and Brandon Parker playing right tackle is the best option that the Raiders had last year, but the best option isn't always a good option and it certainly wasn't last year uh, on that side of the, of the offensive line. And it was just a constant struggle and it really hurt the Raiders. They weren't able to develop a running game. Um, the protection for Derek Carr far too often broke down, especially from that side uh, of, the, of the offensive line. It just wasn't um, conducive. And unfortunately, those are the cards that the Raiders were dealt. They had to play them to the best of their ability. Uh, there were some positive moments, but, but far too often it was just really just trying to put tape or um, you know, a Band-Aid on a, on a big gashing wound. So it brings us to now and the big decision really that the Raiders have in terms of not just do you keep Alex Leatherwood at right guard or do you take that leap that he's going to turn the corner at right tackle. Um, either way, you're still going to have to fill a position over there. And really, you might, you know, we're not sure if John Simpson is the answer at left guard. So they may try to upgrade at that position. And whether it's right guard or right tackle, they're obviously going to have to upgrade at that position as well. And you mentioned Derek Carr and what this means for him. Is it going to be a rebuild along the offensive line? Definitely not a complete rebuild. I think you've got, obviously, Colton Miller is, um, is, is a mainstay at left tackle and one of the better left tackles in the NFL. That's a constant. That's consistency. You feel good about that spot. And I think Andre James, as the uh, Andre James, as the year went on last year, really turned a corner. You go look at his grades uh, over the second half of the season. I usually turn to Pro Football Focus. That's kind of my go-to um, litmus and and you know assessment um, uh, information. And he he played well. He started playing well and got on a consistent role over the second half of the season. I think he's good to go 
at center. I think that he's he's a, a, a still ascending player. I think he's going to get better. Uh, so you feel good about right or, or excuse me center, left guard, right guard, right tackle. Those are the big unknowns. Now that sounds daunting as we sit here on March third, thinking okay, there's uncertainty at right guard. There's obviously uncertainty at right tackle, and there's maybe uncertainty at left guard if you're if you're looking at. Uh, maybe moving moving on or moving up from from a John Simpson, it does sound daunting. There's no question, and there's a lot of uncertainty as we sit here in early March. But history has shown that you can fix things. You can get it fixed. Um, there's plenty, and there's plenty of time to do so before the season starts. I look at the Kansas City Chiefs last year. Remember, they lost both of their tackles and a guard um, from 2020 to 2021. And so they invested in draft picks. They brought in some free agents. Um, they put some money into the position. And all of a sudden, what looked like a major weakness going into last season because of the uncertainty, who it was going to be, how are they going to get fixed, uh, even when they made their draft picks and, and brought some free agents in, how is it going to fit, how is it going to work together, is it going to come together, is the chemistry going to be there? Well, it did. And that was, I'm not going to say it was an overnight deal, but it was, if we're looking at an offseason as an overnight, it worked. They were able to get that thing settled down and squared away uh, and, and were able to protect uh, Patrick Mahomes and, and, and get the job done, basically. So if you're, if you're the Raiders, why can't that be you? Why can't, if with the right decision and the right couple of decisions, put together an offensive line that's going to be able to adequately protect the quarterback um, and then also be able to help push a run game that just needs to get better. That's the other element in all of this. Not only were the Raiders, um, did they struggle in protecting Derek Carr? They were still, he was still able to play, um, you know, winning football and, and had a, had a, a good year, uh, for him. But as the year went on, uh, with the lack of protection, with a lack of a reliable running game, losing Henry Ruggs, then Darren Waller goes down for, for five weeks. Um, there was a struggle going on offensively. It was just a little bit too much. When they had Henry Ruggs and Darren, a healthy Darren Waller, even with an offensive line that was struggling, and even with minimal contribution from the run game, because you had Henry Ruggs and Hunter Renfro and Darren Waller um, and some other weapons, the Raiders were still able to move the ball and score some points. But it just became too much when when you know you start losing players then all of a sudden your weaknesses become more glaring and that's what happened uh with the offensive line and the lack of a running game so you move ahead to 2022 and it's obviously a box that the raiders have to check majorly and that's why uh kind of excited to see some of these offensive linemen got a chance to talk to him today but really excited to see them on the field tomorrow uh daniel uh, fa'alali among them, uh, six foot nine uh, tackle from Minnesota, who I think his best football is ahead of him. Here's a guy that grew up in Melbourne, uh, Australia, came to the United States in high school, um, was just became like a recruiting sensation just by looking at him. There are people, um, you know, at the school that he went to in Florida that this is the biggest human being we've ever seen, and he is every bit the six foot nine, three hundred fifty pounds uh, that's that 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 he's listed at. Um, could he be a guy that the Raiders, you know, uh, uh, take a chance on maybe in the second round? 
and, and get him coached up and get him out there and being able to be a, uh, a, a viable right tackle. I don't know. I think, personally, if I'm the Raiders, um, I would lean more toward veteran players uh, to start off with on the offensive line. I, I think it, it was the youth last year and the inexperience at times was glaring. I'm going to put Brandon Parker uh, in there. Yes, I know that he's played a few years in the NFL. Yes, I know he's got some starts uh, under his belt or had some starts under his belt, but he was still in a lot of ways an inexperienced young player. And obviously Alex Leatherwood was a rookie. John Simpson was a second year player who had played just a handful of snaps uh, his rookie year. He had a rookie uh, center in, in Andre James. Um, I don't know if you can afford to go young at that position again or that position group again. I think what they need is what they thought they were going to have last year, which was some youth in Alex Leatherwood and Andre James, surrounded by veterans and Colton Miller, Richie Incognito, and Denzel Good. I think, you know, it would have been interesting, honestly, to see how things would have turned out if Good and Incognito played a full season because that's kind of what they were counting on. And, and having veteran mentors uh, and a veteran presence alongside you, um, and that was what the expectation was for Andre James and, and Alex Leatherwood, it just makes all the difference in the world. Um, unfortunately, the Raiders were never able to get to that point because of the injuries. And it just happened like one after the other. Uh, I was in Thousand Oaks, California when uh, Incognito went down. And I, I remember... Um, over at the team hotel, he gets off the bus from practice, still in his gear because they they got dressed and everything was at the hotel. And he walks off the bus, and you know I overheard him talking to one of his teammates, and he's like, "Ah, yeah, it'll be okay. You know, it feels just like you know, uh, just something, a little muscle thing. Uh, I'll I'll be okay." And I was like, "All right, you know." Hearing him say that and the confidence that he spoke about the injury in terms of shouldn't be a long deal, should be back here pretty soon. He never came back. <laughs> he never came back. And that was mid-August. Uh, I think it might have been the second preseason game, maybe the first preseason game. And he never got on the field. And that was a huge loss. I know, you know, people are like, well, why did you, why were you relying on a 37-year-old um, offensive guard? Well, you know, the Raiders definitely understood the quote-unquote risk that was. Remember, they cut um, uh, Richie Incognito from the contract that he was scheduled to make in 2021 and brought him back at probably half the cost. So they knew there was a little bit of a risk and they weren't willing to take that risk on the salary that he was due, um, uh, you know, off the two-year contract that he had that, that he had previously signed. So they said, look, we're, we'll, we'll roll with you, but we know that there, there's a little bit of uncertainty because of your age and, and uh, injury history. So we're going to do it on half the cost. So that mitigated, you know, the uh, um, the chance that they were taking, and even at that, uh, it just it just didn't work. But I don't think anyone was figuring on or or even thinking about Denzel Good uh, going down in that first game of the year. That really, it just it was it was not good, and uh, I think that Raiders felt that loss. It was just it was it was too much. So when I'm looking at the offensive line. Um, I think obviously you're going to have to draft, uh, draft it and develop it uh, with, some, with some young players, but maybe the way to go right now to kind of get things settled down and to give um, Derek Carr the best chance and the running game the best chance 
to really get rolling is to bring in some some veteran players. And that's all going to start in a couple of weeks. Free agency is right around the corner. It all starts on March 14th. So uh, we're, we're barreling down the road uh, in that regard. And I think it's a, it's, it's a good thing that the NFL has kind of flipped the order of things uh, so that you could get through free agency first before going to the draft. I know Dave Ziegler said, hey, look, you know, one doesn't necessarily have to do with the other. Um, the, the goal is in the draft to draft the best players, period, regardless of position. You just want to accumulate as much talent as you possibly can, high-end talent, regardless of the position. And I get that and I understand that. But um, there's also a reality to all of this. And sometimes that reality is if you strike out in free agency or if you don't close holes in free agency, it kind of changes your draft plans because at that point you got to really try to fill some holes with the best players possible. So we'll see what they do in free agency before the draft, but I would expect there's going to be a combination of veterans through free agency and some young rookies that they're going to draft uh, along that offensive line to see if they can get, can't get that thing squared away. You're in the huddle with Vinny Monsignor brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur Raider Nation Radio 920 AM on a Thursday live from Indianapolis at the NFL Scouting Combine. You're listening to Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. Now, back to your host, Vinny Bonsignor. We're going to go out to the Raider Nation guest line and welcome in Randy Johnson. He covers uh, the University of Minnesota football uh, for the uh, Minneapolis Star and Tribune. Um, Randy, first of all, thanks for spending some time with us in the huddle. Truly appreciate it. Um, got a chance today to, uh, to actually visualize and see um, Daniel uh, Fa'alale from the University of Minnesota, <laughs> and um, he's, he's kind of big, isn't he? He's 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 on the large side. Let's put it that way. And I've been covering sports a long time, and uh, the biggest, really, the biggest human being that I've athlete, I should say, that I've that I've watched and, and seen was Shaquille O'Neal. Uh, there's there's you know players that have been were taller and all that, but I'm just yep. talking about in terms of massive. Uh, human being Shaquille O'Neal uh, was that for me and I gotta say that uh, Daniel ranks right up there but as I'm doing some research on him it's interesting because I think he weighed in at 382 pounds here at the combine when yeah. he showed up at the University of Minnesota he was 426 pounds am I correct it, in in reading that I don't know if the 426 is the exact uh, but it, it's I'm pretty I'm pretty sure that pretty close to what he was yeah he was he needed to uh, trim down a little bit to, to get himself a little bit more mobile and he was I, at that point he was six foot eight it looks like he's six foot nine now uh, I'll, I'll check to see what uh, what he officially checked in uh, at the combine yeah. but um did minnesota understand what they had um in in daniel uh at that point or was he more just kind of a project at that point well, he was a project because he hadn't played a whole lot of football up to that point. Uh, he had been at IMG Academy uh, the first year there. He just basically observed and went through the program type stuff. Then he played his, uh, which would have been his senior season there. Um, they also, uh, the, the Gophers recruited him and another uh, IMG lineman, Curtis Dunlop, who since has transferred to Rutgers. And their, uh, the quarterback there, uh, at the time, Zach Annick said it, uh, it was from Minnesota and ended up coming to the Gophers. And he, he's actually transferred to uh, uh, Illinois State, I believe it is. So it, uh, they had a little bit of a pipeline going there. They had an in with uh, with uh, Daniel, and it uh, worked out pretty well for him. 
We're talking to Randy Johnson from the uh, Minneapolis Star Tribune. Okay, so um, here's a, a, uh, a kid who uh, is of Tongan and Samoan uh, ethnicity, growing up in Melbourne, uh, Australia. You know the story. How, how did he end up in, in Florida, and, and why? Was it strictly football? Did somebody see him and say, dude, you got to come over to America. We'll get you fixed up. We'll get you trained. We'll get you developed. But, but you need to play football in the United States. Yeah, that's that's exactly what happened. I believe uh, Michigan was one of the first teams to to, to take a look at him down in Australia there, and uh, you know the Gophers eventually uh, heard about him, checked him out, and uh, I think they just recruited him hard, and, and uh, he, he just liked it up here. It's not a hard place to like. Uh, I love I love Minnesota. Now, obviously, the weather was uh, a lot different than he was used to, not just in Florida but sure. Australia. So I'm sure uh, he had to make uh, the adjustment to that. But along the way, he also had to make an adjustment to playing American football at a high level in the Big Ten. It feels like that came, uh, you know, a little bit gradually. But by, by obviously last year, this is a guy that people are talking about now um, as a future NFL bona fide right tackle, tackle whatever uh, position he ends up being somebody that uh, could be a centerpiece of an offensive line, the growth that he um, had uh, over the, over his career, was it a surprise to anybody up in Minneapolis? I wouldn't say it's a surprise. You know, it, it was it, a lot of curiosity to see how, how long it would take for him to, to uh, develop into a good player. Um, he ended up uh, earning, earning a starting job uh, probably midway through his uh, true freshman season then, and, and uh, as a sophomore, the Gophers went, uh, his sophomore season, they went 11-2, Won the Outback Bowl, finished in the uh, the top ten final AP poll, and it, he played a pretty big role on that on that team. Um, in 2020, he uh, sat out because of COVID right. concerns. Then came back uh, came back probably a little bit better shape for this this past season, and you know, he, he seemed he seemed to improve quite a bit as the season went on. And you like to see that because um, you know a year away from football is a long time. And the time uh, that, that you have on your hands away from the game, you can e- either utilize it well or bad. And it sounds like he put it to good use. He put it very good use. He was uh, on Zoom calls and everything with the staff the whole year, and he was in meetings, that type of thing. So, you know, it wasn't like he was just away from the team, just not doing anything. He was, he was keeping tabs and everything and, and still a big part of the team. The Raiders obviously have a big need on the offensive line specifically and perhaps right tackle, depending on what they do with Alex Leatherwood. What kind of a player, um, you know, wherever he ends up going, uh, especially as a rookie, what kind of a player um, can whatever team that drafts Daniel expect to get early on? You know, I, I think he's still going to be a bit of a project, just with the, the fact that he's still pretty pretty new to the sport and learning as he's going along. Um you know, he's, I think, uh, by dropping that weight, I think he'll, be, he'll allow himself to be a little bit quicker, be, be a little bit more flexible. Uh, you know, maybe that helps his pass, pass blocking a bit. You know, he's, he's a mauler when it comes to, to run blocking, so that, that's, that, that'll be one of his strengths. Um, yeah, you know, but it's a big jump from uh, college football to the NFL, so he's, he'll have his, his growing to do. We're talking to Randy Johnson uh, for the Minneapolis Star Tribune. He covers the University of Minnesota football uh, and uh, obviously for the last four years uh, has watched the growth and development uh, of Daniel uh, Fa'alale. And it sounds like, you know, when I hear that somebody as raw as he was 
wins a starting job, you know, uh, throughout the course of his freshman year, it sounds like somebody that, you know, isn't intimidated about some of the steps that he has to take and some of the obstacles he has to face. So would you be surprised, uh, you know, uh, along the line in his rookie year uh, that he sec- would secure a starting job? Uh, you know, I wouldn't necessarily surprise me. You know, it's a big challenge, uh, that's for sure. Um, you know, he, he, you talk to him, he's a really nice guy, a nice kid yes. and everything, but he does have a pretty, uh, you know, he, you can tell he's got a bit burning desire to be to be good. I mean, he's got a little, little nasty streak to him on the field, for sure. There's uh, four other players from the University of Minnesota here uh, at the scouting combine. Uh, can you give a little bit of a scouting report uh, on the guys that uh, are out here for the Gophers? Yeah, so there's three, three, three more. Um, another offensive lineman, uh, Blaze Andrews, who... Yep. Uh, very versatile lineman, about uh, six, uh, six five, six six, about three thirty five. He's a uh, he, he, very smart kid. Um, he can play pretty much every position but center, and I'm sure if somebody wanted to make him learn center, he'd do that too. Uh, you know, he, he's probably uh, you know maybe a third day type of uh, projection. Um, then they have two defensive ends, uh, Boye Mafe, uh, edge rusher. He basically uh, uh, at the Senior Bowl he impressed Pete quite a bit. He was named. Uh, MVP of his team uh, after he had uh, two sacks, a tackle for a loss, and a forced fumble in that game, and uh, he impressed throughout the week. So his uh, draft stock shot up quite a bit. Uh, Mel Kuyper Jr. had him late in the first round to the Chiefs uh, in his latest mock draft. And the other other uh, end, uh, Sezi Otomowo, um, he's a guy that's uh, a little bit bigger than, than Boye, uh, more, probably more on, on the Run stuffing type of an, uh, of an end than a than the uh, you know fast pass rushing type. Um, he, he's uh, you know he's got the physical traits uh, size and everything. He's he's probably a guy who's going to be more a little bit more of a project. Uh, but you know he he could be a, a second or third day pick. I'm guessing. Well, we're going to have our eye on all of them, and I know that you will as well. Uh, Randy Johnson, thanks so much for uh, joining us in the huddle and uh, shedding some light on a very intriguing uh, offensive tackle uh, prospect that I think has caught the eye of Raider Nation, uh, and they already some of them already have him in silver and black. So we'll see how it all goes, but wow. I appreciate the input and the enlightenment. Thank you very much, Randy. Okay, thanks a lot. Have a good one. You got it. That was Randy Johnson from the Minneapolis Star Tribune talking about Daniel Fa'alele and when I say that this guy is a big human being, he is a big human being. But he was a delight to talk to. Um, really a humble, nice, uh, uh, you know, young man. But also, if you watch the tape, uh, he's got some tenacity to him, some athletic ability to him. Uh, and as Randy Johnson just said, uh, he can maul people in the run game. If that's, you know, the the what he brings to the table. Uh, as a rookie, I think he's going to contribute uh, pr- earlier, sooner rather than later uh, in the NFL. You're in the huddle with Vinny Monster, brought to you by Tequila Embajador, Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM, on a Thursday, live from the Scouting Combine in downtown Indianapolis. Interact with the show. Text Vinny at 69187 or tweet at him at Vinny Bonsignor. This is In the Huddle with Raiders beat writer Vinny Bonsignor on Raider Nation Radio 920 AM. I think there's still there's a lot of big picture discussions that we have to have. Um, and and um, and so as we're kind of, you know, going through free agency and then you're getting to the draft, I mean, there's going to be some of those organic conversations that those big picture conversations that you're going to have. Um, and, and, you know, I wouldn't say we're there yet. Um, you, you know, and it's, 
it's um i know it's it's a question that everybody wants you know it's a curious it's a curious question I, I get i get that but we're just trying to take so many small bites right now like it's hiring a staff you know it's we had draft meetings before we got here and getting prepared for those and getting organized in those and executing those and then it's the combine and so um in due time you know we'll look at all those things and you know um again it's always good to have good players that's Raiders general manager Dave Ziegler talking about um, some of the bigger picture items that are on his plate, um, but also having to deal with some of the smaller ones um, and prioritize what moves they're going to make. Um, and, and what we're really talking about uh, and, and in that conversation, um, you know, Max Crosby, Hunter Renfro, uh, obviously Derek Carr. Uh, th these, those are the three players right now that if you're talking about Contract extensions, as we sit here today, uh, those are the three main ones. And um, also talking about fifth-year options. Um, there's there's three prominent players, <laughs> uh, first-round picks from 2019, who are coming up on that deadline. And you're talking about Cleve Farrell. You're talking about Josh Jacobs. You're talking about uh, Jonathan Abrams. Um, there's a deadline coming, um, and it's, it's, it's coming pretty quickly in terms of do you pick up the fifth-year option? I got to be honest, I can't see any of the three um, getting their fifth-year option picked picked up. And you know, when you go back to 2019 and the the, the three first-round picks uh, that the Raiders had uh, that year, to sit here, you know, in 2021, after uh, those three players have played three seasons now in the NFL as they head to their fourth year to really have so much uncertainty and really not even uncertainty. It's like, you'd be surprised if any of those guys got their fifth year option picked up for the Raiders to kind of be in that position right now. I could see with two of the first round picks, but all three um, you, you, where, where you're, where you're not even really thinking about picking up the fifth year option for those guys and keeping them around beyond next season. It's a disappointment. Um, it's straight out a disappointment, and you look at this Raiders roster, and there's a lot of good to like about the Raiders roster. Uh, you know, Colton Miller um, is a mainstay. Um, you know, you feel good, obviously, uh, about Trayvon Morrig. You feel good about Nate Hobbs, uh, where, where he is in his development. Uh, you feel great about Max Crosby. You feel really good about Hunter Renfro. Um, and not to say that you don't feel good about Josh Jacobs, but do you feel good enough about Josh Jacobs to say, yeah, we'll, we'll pick up that fifth-year option uh, for, for Josh, and it's a no-brainer? No, I, I can't sit here and say that you would. Jonathan Abram, are, are you comfortable saying, yeah, uh, let's extend this relationship uh, for a fifth year? Do you see that? I, I, I think it's dubious at this point. We don't even know what position he's necessarily going to play or if he even fits. Uh, in the system uh, that, that Patrick Graham, the new defensive coordinator, um, you know, plans to play. You know, Gus Bradley came in last year and figured out what everyone kind of knew all along was he's not good, uh, Jonathan Abrams, when you play him further off the line of scrimmage in a, in a deep safety look. When you ask Josh Jacobs to defend the pass uh, from that vantage point uh, and cover that much field in the passing game, or run down the run game, he just wasn't good. The angles weren't correct. Um, he looked uncertain uh, in, in pass coverage. He just, it, 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 that, so 
it's not his spot. That's no discredit to him. Um, you got to figure it out. And what Gus Bradley figured out, rightfully so, was he needs to play closer to the line of scrimmage, limit the space that he has to cover in the pass game, cut down the length of the angles that he has to take uh, in, in run support, and let him play in closer quarters and closer to the line of scrimmage. He can be a good player. And he turned out to be a pretty good player in that position. But we don't know if Patrick Graham is going to look at the Raiders' defense the same way Gus Bradley did in terms of how he lines players up, where he lines players up. Um, Is he going to be open to a box safety position for Jonathan Abrams, or does he want to play more of the two-deep safety look? Which, if that's the case, that kind of eliminates Jonathan Abrams because they can't afford, unless he made monumental strides in pass coverage and playing from that vantage point, you're make, it's too much of a risk to play him there. So, again, three first-round picks in 2019 as we sit here on March 3rd in the year 2022, it doesn't look like any of those three have warranted being having their options picked up. Now, Dave Ziegler didn't officially come out to say that um, when we talked to him about it yesterday. There's still time to play with. I think the um, the deadline is in May um, at some point. But prior to training camp, prior to all this, uh, you know, unfolding, the Raiders are going to have to make a decision um, on on the fifth year uh, options, and it really doesn't look good. And that's a disappointment because it, had they, the Raiders, been able to, you know, uh, get some base hits, some some you know, a double off the wall here and there with those three picks. This roster would look a, a whole lot different, and uh, actually, we have Dave Ziegler talking about the fifth-year options uh, right now. Yeah, I don't think like free agency in the draft really goes into those too much. I think they're all just on an individual, you know, individual basis. Um, I think the dates May second on those. So for me, like in this job, the one thing that I've learned is prioritizing tasks. You know, is like on a daily basis is huge. Um, and so from small to large. And so, you know, with that being at May 2nd, that's, you know, like, uh, obviously it's part of the lens, but from a priority standpoint, it's, you know, it's something that's down the road that, you know, we'll get to at some point. That's Dave Ziegler talking about um, what decision to make on the fifth-year options. And as he said, uh, the date is uh, May 2nd, so you have some time to play with. And, um, you know, uh, one thing I've learned uh, covering this business and, and, you know, you don't make a decision until you have to make the decision, you know, and, 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 and that's fine. What, what benefit is it right now to, you know, to just say, Hey, we're not going to pick up your fifth year options. I mean, it's just, it's, you don't have to. So why would you, uh, but come May 2nd, I, as I sit here, um, I don't see how, uh, any of those three get their fifth year options, uh, picked up. Damon, if you can hear me, um, is there anyone out of that group that you would consider right now? Bringing back for a fifth year, I think Josh Jacobs for a fifth year. Um, I'd have to look at what his number would be uh, on that. I mean, it, 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 the salary jumps up uh, as a result of that, and and I don't, I, I yeah, I, I'm not so sure. I don't. I want to see also, and if you're if you're Dave Ziegler and Josh and um, and especially Josh McDaniels. How does Josh Jacobs fit in your in your run game and what you like to do? Is he a fit 
you know, for, for your run game. Uh, I would think that he is. It just seems like he's a versatile enough running back um, that whatever they're going to do uh, on that, uh, in that, in that, um, you know, in the run game, he's going to be able to fit. But I don't know. I don't, he's been injury prone. Um, last year was obviously kind of a down year for him. Uh, maybe it just can do better redrafting a running back. Doesn't have to be in the first round. Uh, maybe maybe you're better off getting a younger player and, and just going in that direction. But it would be interesting. Uh, you don't obviously Clee Farrell and, and Jonathan Abram you're not feeling, right? Oh uh, no, no, no chance. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see what happens to Clee Farrell. I don't obviously I, I don't think he's gonna get, he's not gonna get his fifth year pick uh, option picked up. It's way too much money. But you wonder in this defense, because of the way it's going to be constructed, especially along the offensive line, if maybe Patrick Graham and the defensive line coach kind of look at him and say, you know, you're kind of been playing out of position all along. Let's kick it's you It's been inside. two defenses already. Like, what's, what is the secret position that two other defensive coordinators just couldn't figure out? I think he needs to play inside. I don't think he's a rush end. I think he could play defensive. Ta- there's a, there's a, there, you know, uh, a, an interior technique that I think he can play. He's to me, he's big enough. It creates um, a, a pass rush, uh, rush edge. I think um, against you know playing inside against against guards rather than tackles. Um, and I think he can play the run pretty well too. So I think it's inside. They've last year. I don't remember him moving inside at all last year. Um, the year before he did, there were there were times where he played on the inside and played fairly well. But for whatever reason, he didn't really get the chance to do that last year. They were pretty much set on him just coming off the bench and getting some snaps as, as a rush end. But I think, and and Lincoln kind of backs backs me up. He's actually the, the, the one that keeps beating that drum. Move him inside. He's more of a defensive tackle than a defensive end, um, and so maybe that's you know uh, the, the the key that unlocks him. Now I'm not saying that he deserve he'll deserve a, a fifth year option or anything like that, and he's going to go into the season with a lot of uncertainty. But I do wonder if maybe um, they they'll see this a little bit differently and give him an opportunity at least at this stage. And what there's no loss <laughs> at this point for him especially. Uh, to see, hey, maybe you need to play uh, inside, like exclusively, uh, and not not play him outside, or maybe he fits better on the. I don't know, but I, I you know, I, I still think. No, he I can think we play. do know. What's that? I think we do know. I think we've seen enough of him on the outside, and then I think I believe if you kick him on the inside, who is he better than on the defensive line that the team interior wise? Who would he be better than that that they had on the interior last season? <laughs> Well, uh, that's a big, that's a great question because uh, none of those guys are under contract. <laughs> you know, Darius Phylon's not under contract. Jonathan Hankins is not under contract. Uh, um, um, Solomon Thomas isn't under contract. And uh, Quentin Jefferson isn't under contract. So it might be something out of a necessity that you have to play him inside. Or you just say, hey, you know, he's under contract. Let's cross train him or get him right uh, inside and, and play him there because. I, I just don't see that they're going to be able to sign all three of those, or not necessarily be able to. I don't even know if they fit. That's the that's the great unknown, Devon. We don't know if those, if the Quinton, you know, Jeffersons, the Solomon Thomases, and the Darius Phylons actually fit in whatever um, Patrick Graham is is going to do. And I know that you know they they've all stressed flexibility. They've all stressed 
don't get caught up in the uh, in the in the defensive scheme, but they're going to do things differently. There's gonna, they're going to ask those guys to play um, different assignments, and I don't know of, among those three who fit. You'd like to think that there's enough flexibility that all three could fit, and because man, when I look at that defensive line, it made such a jump forward from 2020 to 2021. It was actually a reliable group, and I think. Um, the, in an ideal world, all three of those guys are open to coming back, and not just open to coming back, but are are fit the profile that Patrick Graham wants and needs for his defense to, to excel. I don't think all three are going to be back, but it'll, it'll be interesting to see if any of them uh, are back at this point, or, or do they just roll the dice, go outside the building, and find three replacements that better fit what Patrick Graham is going to do. There's a lot to, to really chew on right there. And I can't wait finally to talk to him. I would imagine that's going to happen here pretty soon. Just to get his thoughts uh, on where some of these guys that are currently on the roster or are pending free agents may or may not fit in what he's trying to do. You're in the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor brought to you by Tequila and Bahadur. Raider Nation Radio 920 AM live from the scouting combine in Indianapolis. The quarterbacks and wide receivers are on the field. I got one eye on the television screen, checking it out. I love this day. Uh, can't wait to tomorrow to see some of these offensive linemen out there as well.